One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! It's my screen time too! Screen time! Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms once had the leisure time to go to a movie instead of sightseeing in a beautiful city. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's three and a half, and Kenny, he's eight months old. Sorry, the cats are threatening to kill one another. So if you hear something weird, that's what that is. And I have three kids, a nine-year-old named Tony and twin six-year-olds named Libby and Nate, who are so cute, right? They are adorable. (laughs) And... Especially when you're traveling, which we both have been on trips with our families lately, and you get to spend so much quality time together. (laughs) Um, But my story is actually really cute. So we went to um, Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado for spring break, which was amazing. And Nate is scared of horses, so he didn't go on the horseback ride I scheduled for our family. Mm -hmm. And instead, we went to the visitor center And he got a little booklet on becoming a junior park ranger. And he like diligently filled out all the activities. And the, it's like a little workbook Mm -hmm. basically. And then he got this pin that says he's a junior park ranger and he wore it for the rest of our trip. And like every 20 minutes he'd say, well, I'm a junior park ranger now. (laughs) It was so cute. Oh, hooray to raising future nerds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So along similar lines, I was talking to Jay about the show we watched for our podcast this week. And he asked me what it was about. And I said, it's about travel. And his his eyes got really big. And he said, through time. And I said... No, buddy. No, just regular travel. And his face just fell. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So, yes, also raising a future nerd. So this week in Screen Time News, we are discussing the streaming behemoth Netflix. And the title of the article is How Netflix Plans on Owning Your Kids Screen Time. It's a Fast Company article fascinating Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about inside the creative culture at Netflix. I will link to it on Facebook as always. And it is all about how Amazon is going to just freaking dominate children's programming by just doing it all. Netflix, right? What did I say? Amazon. They're dominating everything else. (laughs) yeah netflix so what did you think of the article i loved it like you said it was a fascinating portrayal of how the creative culture works at netflix and the way they're kind of upending the idea that as a content provider you have to have a niche um, and just saying, no, we don't need a niche. We will be all things to all people. And from a parent's perspective, I think it's about darn time. Because I know we have looked at quite a few Netflix properties for our show, but 
it's always felt like an area in which they were lagging to me. And specifically mm-hmm. with the Disney streaming service coming up soon, it felt like they had to get on the stick about it. And it sounds like they are in a big way. And it sounds like there's a lot of content to be excited about. Totally. It sounds like an amazing creative paradise. And mm-hmm. I wish I were like an animator so I could go work there. <laughs> um, I found it refreshing as a American consumer that they are not trying to have a brand like that's their Mm -hmm. whole deal is they're just coming up with all kinds of diverse programming it doesn't matter if it's cohesive or not they're trying to be everything to everybody Mm -hmm. and we're always looking for shows that we want to sit down and watch with our kids which is they're trying to be everybody's favorite show because that would be a big complaint of mine about netflix's original shows for kids right now they do a lot of them through a partnership with DreamWorks and I just feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of them are spin-offs of DreamWorks movies and I am just not interested in watching a whole show that's a spin-off of Boss Baby or a whole show that's a spin-off of Trolls you know I just I I want more original content and that's why I was so excited about so many of the beautiful things it sounds like they're doing there yeah, I was surprised that Boss Baby is like their biggest show. It looks yeah. terrible. We have not watched it. Perhaps we should put it on our watch list. It's true. I will say that Boss Baby, the movie, was surprisingly not terrible. Did you watch the movie? I thought it was funny. Yeah. I liked it. So maybe we're giving the show short shrift. I'm just saying, for all the original content that Netflix puts out, it sure seems that they put out less original kids content, and I'm excited to see more. Yep, same. And um, one question that I always have with Netflix is, like, how do you find the good stuff? Because... For us, their algorithm keeps feeding us like Treasure Buddies movies, <laughs> Buddies in Space movies, mm-hmm. and they're not good. Um, the kids searching interface that they describe at the end of the article sounds awesome, but I'm just not impressed with the because you watched this, you'll like this. Yeah, and certainly the kids interface they have now, at least on, I guess we use primarily the Xbox to access Netflix. They have a section where it's just character pictures, Mm -hmm. presumably so kids can navigate the interface on their own, something that I'm not (laughs) fully on board with anyway. I find it to be a really difficult way to find content as an adult. Like, just tell me what there is. I'm not just going to click on a picture of Dora the Explorer or whatever. Totally. So I'd like I look forward to seeing what they do. I don't have much faith because I don't think they've mastered that with their adult content yet, have they? Definitely not. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. You know, Deborah, there is one way that parents can reliably find out what the good content is on Netflix. Would you like to know? I would love to know. They can listen to our podcast or check out our website at myscreentime2.com. Perfect. All right, now that that little bit of self-promotion is over. (laughs) So I have to ask, after our Pink Wine podcast last week, have you watched Anastasia yet? The world wants to know. I have not. Sorry to disappoint. 
I am so disappointed that after our conversation last week about how excited I am about Anastasia becoming a Disney princess, you did not rush right out to watch it. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> too much. Too much content. <laughs> um, but I did. I have been watching Mary Poppins Returns in our standard like 16 segments per movie watching habits in our households. Uh, did you say you took your kids to see that over the holidays? We saw it in the theater and mm-hmm. we recently rewatched it because Libby and Nathan got to have a movie night and that was their pick. Mm-hmm. But what did you think? Well, we haven't finished it yet, but we did okay. <laughs> We did get to a really excellent dance sequence that really drove home how old I am because... <laughs> There's this song called, I believe, Trip the Light Fantastic, or maybe The Life Fantastic. Yes. Is it Light Fantastic? I'm not sure. I think sure. in Mary Poppins Returns, it's light because they're okay. lamplighters. Yes. Okay. So it's a big musical number with the kids and Mary Poppins and the lamplighters, and they're doing some awesome dance work. It's essentially this movie's answer to the classic Chim Chimney, right? Mm-hmm. So I was watching it. I was loving it. It was so fun. You can't beat a good dance sequence. And then the bikes came out and they started like with the bike ramps. And I was like, this was fine until the number became the X Games. Like, why do we need the bike ramps? <laughs> Were you afraid somebody was going to get hurt? No, I just was like, go back to the real dancing. What's going on? Oh, yeah. It felt like... Yeah, I really liked that scene. It was really good. I question whether that portion of it would just immediately date the whole thing. Like, is it now going to feel like a relic in 20 years? Like, I'm not sure. I thought it was pretty timeless. And they had established that the lamplighters ride bicycles. So, like, it wasn't completely out of the blue. Like, they just mm-hmm. suddenly introduced breakdancing or something. But it just felt like a weird anachronism to be like, okay, bike ramps. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I hope th- you get to finish it soon. Oh, my gosh. Sometime before 2020. Here's hoping. So let's move on to today's topic. Today we watched PBS Kids Let's Go Luna. It is an animated show that aims to teach kids about geography, and it premiered just last year in 2018. It was created by Joe Murray, whose, as far as I could tell, biggest previous credit was the show Rocco's Modern Life, which I watched in the 90s. Did you watch that in the 90s? No. Okay. I've never heard of it. I think it was a Nickelodeon property, so it may have at one point been in like the SNCC rotation lineup. Saturday, Got it. Saturday Night Nickelodeon for those of you who aren't as old as I've already established that I am. Uh, (laughs) We watched this primarily online at PBS Kids, although episodes are also downloadable at Amazon from Amazon. And I copied the description from the PBS website and I have some questions. So this is the description that they have. Leo, a wombat from Australia, Carmen, a butterfly from Mexico, and Andy, a frog from the United States, travel with their parents' performance troupe, Circo Fabuloso. At each stop, Luna the Moon guides them as they get to know the region and its people. 
My biggest question mark about that is Leo is a wombat from Australia. I know. I thought he was a dog. I thought he was a dog and he has no Australian accent. His accent is American, yes? And Carmen has a very pronounced accent. Mm -hmm. It's not fair that Leo doesn't get to have an Australian accent. Yeah, it was just a really weird inclusion. Uh, So that was my big question mark about the plot synopsis. We picked this one because I don't know if you remember, but during our Carmen San Diego episode, I was a little disappointed by the rigor of the geography lessons we were receiving. So we were happy to go with another geography based show in the hopes of rectifying that. And looking back at our list, I could not believe this is only the fourth PBS show we've done. I know. I know. It seems like PBS was the original children's programmer. So maybe we need to watch more PBS shows to make up for it. Listeners, tell us what you're watching on PBS. Yeah. I, some some of the things that are available on PBS, I feel like I've watched to death uh-huh. when my kids were smaller. Like, I don't ever need to see another episode of Curious George. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the problem, at least initially, that everything on PBS seemed so long running that it just didn't Mm -hmm. feel relevant for us to cover. Like we did an early episode about Word Girl, which was fun, but like Word Girl was already like 10 years old at that point. Mm -hmm. So happy to see something new, happy to be reminded that PBS Kids has some great options. We watched episode one. What's the big idea? Day of the Dead. The episodes are split into two segments. We call them halvesies at our house. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly in in the context of, can I watch a halvesie before bed? So we watched episode one, episode six, which was The Big Dig and Amazing Man. And episode 12, Where's Luna and Pulling Strings. Deborah, would you like to take us through episode one and... We will move on to our more general thoughts once we've covered all the episodes. Yes. So in What's the Big Idea, we meet the circus kids, Andy, Carmen, and Leo, and they are in Mexico City. Somebody pulls like a globe from their pocket who introduces them to their new geographic location and introduces them to some local vocabulary. In this one, it was the words grande and amigos, and Andy just gets a real bee in his bonnet. He wants to paint a mural. So he sort of gets permission to paint a mural on Senior Fabulosos, who's like the circus ringleader Mm -hmm. on his trailer. And then it turns out that Senior Fabuloso didn't give explicit permission. But in the end, Andy's mural turns out beautifully Mm -hmm. everybody's really happy Mm -hmm. they sing some songs luna comes down from the sky (laughs) they sing to her um and then in day of the dead um they learn about dia de los muertos and carmen because she's from mexico she's like supposed to show everybody around but the real problem in this episode is that she is scared of skeletons So she's supposed to give this tour and she's supposed to play a song at her abuela's altar. Abuela and Tiamo are the vocabulary words in this (laughs) halvesie. 
And Luna helps her get over her fear of the dead. (laughs) 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 What did you think? Okay, we will get more into this when we get into our more general thoughts. But like, I was immediately so viscerally put off by the look of this cartoon that I was primed to hate it. Okay. But then I loved it. Plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. I thought it was great across the board. I loved how in giving the lessons about the city that they were, they didn't try and focus on like the entire country of Mexico or the entire city of Mexico City. They picked one thing. They kept it manageable. And they got those points across really well. What did you think? I liked it. I had a hard time getting past the fact that um, Andy looks like Pepe the Frog. Yeah. Maybe that is why I reacted so strongly against it. You're right. I didn't. Yeah. I was like, why? Why? Mm-hmm. Why? This is a pretty new show. Couldn't you pick like a different animal or make him look less like a right wing troll meme? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That must be why I was immediately like, there is something distasteful about this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for putting your finger on it. <laughs> I liked the geography lessons. Um, I liked most of the show, but then in the lesson, like the learning point in the day of the dead episode like luna says if you're afraid of something you should just laugh it off Mm. and i had a real problem with that advice i felt like she was really diminishing carmen's genuine fear of skeletons that's true i just couldn't get behind this particular episode that havesy and also, since we have such a recent comparison, as far as lessons about Dia de los Muertos is concerned in the movie of Coco, which if you haven't seen it, listeners, I think we can both heartily endorse it. I mean, yeah. the the lesson about what the Day of the Dead is was very, very superficial. Yes. And there was a lot of focus on sugar skulls, which I have never encountered, but look disgusting like they're just globs of sugar <laughs> I do not want to eat those <laughs> no no, no, no. Uh, but I can get behind you on the bad advice yes so should we move on to episode, episode six? six all right so in the big dig and amazing man we find our trio exploring the city of Cairo in Egypt the big dig finds them looking for ancient artifacts and they are introduced to is it a professor yes a professor of archaeology or maybe no he or she I the actually ar- don't remember. archaeologist worked for a museum okay yep an archaeologist that works for a museum that teaches the kids what an ancient artifact is and the fact that they dug up like a used toothbrush and an old retainer Those aren't exactly ancient artifacts, um, but they did end up finding a really big buried pharaoh statue. And in the process, they got a little lesson about archaeology and how if you find something that's really old, you shouldn't just dig it up. You have to be really careful and you don't want to disturb the scene. I actually thought it was pretty nuanced for a lesson about 
how we preserve the historical record. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then the second sequence was Amazing Man. The second halfsy was Amazing Man. And Andy was reading a comic book called Amazing Man in Cairo. And there was a riddle at the end of the comic book that had a hint for the plot of the next issue, but the riddle was written in hieroglyphs. So the trio learned about hieroglyphs and how they were one of the first forms of writing. And they met, this is where they met the professor who deciphered the hieroglyphs for them, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was a professor somewhere in there. Um, So that was pretty much the plot of these two. What did you think about episode six? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't really care for, there was a song about artifacts. I didn't really care for Luna's Cleopatra wig Hmm. or her walk like an Egyptian dance. Yeah. We have talked about that in the past. Like if we're allowed to do the walk like an Egyptian. Yeah. I'm on the fence. And so I'm going to say probably no. Okay. (laughs) Like if you have to ask if something is racist, it's, probably is racist which is something I've learned from my other favorite podcast yo is this racist (laughs) (laughs) but otherwise I thought it was pretty cute Mm -hmm. um I guess I also thought that the amazing man who is a dog was like a little bit too close to Dave Pilkey's dog man books oh okay and I, I still know. do not have it, any experience with Dogman, even like a year after we did our Planet Pilkey <laughs> episode. <laughs> That's okay. Um, the focus in this episode was really on the history of the place as opposed to the modern culture of Egypt, which was a contrast from the pilot episode. Did that give you any pause? Like some places they travel, it feels like they're just ignoring that people live there now I know like there was no Arab Spring song (laughs) (laughs) I mean maybe I think if you were to do like a one word association drill if you say Egypt most Americans would say pyramids that's right and so that's just where your brain goes but yeah it's dismissing the current culture well and you have two halfsies like do one about history and one about today that's a good suggestion all right do you want to move on to episode 12 sure episode 12 where's luna and pulling strings so the circo fabuloso is now in delhi india and the kids cannot find luna she's not in the sky luckily in Delhi, India, there are these 300-year-old buildings um, that people used to study the sky. It's kind of like a giant sundial, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, they, like, bait Luna with her hat, and she eventually comes to them. Then there was, like, a fable about, like, a short short in between oh, the yeah. two halfsies mm-hmm. about two brothers, and I did not really follow that at all. <laughs> Um, I thought it was a little jarring. And then in pulling strings, they're still in Delhi and the conflict in this halfsy is that the kids want to listen to music and see art. 
And so um, Andy, I think, wants to listen to music. Carmen wants to see art. So Leo finds the perfect blend of the two um, in a artist's neighborhood. He finds a couple doing a puppet show. Mm-hmm. And what is Leo's problem that he just wants to make the other people happy and he doesn't have any desires of his own, right? I am so glad that you hit upon that too, because it really bothered me. Like so often in these shows, characters are kind of defined by their one trait. Like Carmen is defined by the fact that she likes music and Andy is defined by the fact that he likes art. But Leo is just like this poor boy from Australia that doesn't even have an Australian accent. He's like, he has no He's just identity. a people pleaser. Yes. Oh. <laughs> poor Leo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really hope that some other episodes give him his due because he's kind of a blank slate right now. Poor kid. Did it bother you at all that the Where's Luna episode was all about astronomy, but they never once mentioned the obvious fact that Luna wasn't in the sky because it was a new moon. Like, it was all about astronomy, but they never mentioned astronomy. Yeah, I thought that was really, really weird. (laughs) It would have been a great teachable moment to talk about how the moon goes around the Earth, and you don't see it all the time. Yeah. And it's not always nighttime when the moon is out. Right. Those are pretty basic. (laughs) basic concepts as it was I'm not sure that Hevsey had any lesson at all other than this awesome uh architectural feature in Delhi right and I did find Luna's Luna at the end she's like there's always tomorrow which was a very Scarlett O'Hara thing to say (laughs) I kind of liked I kind of liked that ending Yeah, I liked it, too, in that it was a way of admitting that they weren't going to be able to cover everything about a place, and they were just upfront about Mm -hmm. it, and they said, that's not what we do. There's always more to learn, so don't blame us. (laughs) (laughs) Nice little Luna's covering her moon butt. (laughs) Her moon, her full moon. (laughs) I amused myself. Okay. (laughs) What did you think about the concept in general? Were you happy with this as a show about travel and about geography? I think so. And I think it also removes some of the stigma previously in children's literature about running away with the circus. That's true. I thought it was all right. I like the different locations. Um, I like Luna as a character. I liked that globey thing that... Gave them the lessons. Magic I thought glow. Senior Fabuloso was pretty a good character. I think we didn't mention that he's a pink flamingo oh, yeah. with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I it was okay. How about you? Well, the one big question mark for me, I I could get behind the traveling circus as the excuse for why they were doing all this traveling, but why the moon? Like what? Is it just because Luna can be there with them all day because, like, her job is at night? Is that the only excuse for why the moon is their friend? Maybe because they travel so much, the moon is a constant. Oh, that's a good point. Like, maybe somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no matter where they are on the globe, like... Because even the stars are different in the Southern Hemisphere. That's true. So, I don't know. 
did you and their parents were notably absent oh yeah like they were totally chill with their kids just peacing out with the moon all day (laughs) (laughs) which brings me to my other big question do you feel like magic globe and luna are adequate substitutes for a more regimented education for these children yeah is this their circus homeschool (laughs) i mean i guess did you learn anything while you were watching um, I mean, I didn't know about those buildings in Delhi, mm-hmm. the structures that people used to study the sky. That mm-hmm. was pretty interesting. Like I said before, I did not care for the just laugh at the dead people yeah. in your family's history advice from Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. So I guess I liked in terms of the lessons, I liked the Delhi India one the most. Mm-hmm. What about the characters? Uh, were there any that were particularly great or grating to you? We've already discussed Pepe the Frog. Yeah. I thought Carmen's accent was a little overdone. Like, why does she have an accent and the Australian doesn't? I know we've talked about this, but that was the most glaring thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that we've mentioned Judy Greer plays Luna. And she's like the only actor in the pre-credits mm-hmm. like they plaster her name on everything because she's the most notable person and she was good I yeah. liked her likable likable moon voice yes I am a Judy Greer fan so I was happy to hear her mm-hmm. uh, I kind of liked that her singing voice wasn't great like it didn't feel too polished yeah, there was one that was like definitely out of her range. Yeah. I think that was in the Mexico City one. <laughs> Other than Judy Greer, were there any voice actors that stood out for you? No, I was yeah. just too starstruck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, I mentioned my immediate reaction against the animation style. Did you have any, and I'm so glad you mentioned that thing about Pepe the Frog because you are so right. Did you have any other thoughts of the rest about the rest of the animation? I thought it was fine. <laughs> Everything about this show was fine. Um, honestly, I keep in my head thinking about Luna as a clock instead of the moon. Hmm. And I think if you ask me like next week what we watched, I would say we watched the show about Luna the clock. I I don't know why I have a block in my head about that. I thought that the characters were kind of, with the exception of Pepe, I thought the characters were funny. Right. And especially the um, fabuloso, the flamingo. I had to look back at... Like, I watched a compilation of a bunch of clips from Racco's Modern Life just to see if I was reacting to something from that show that I really disliked. And that's why I was so uncomfortable with this animation style. And it is very similar. And Racco's Modern Life is situated so specifically in the 90s that I I wonder Mm -hmm. if that was giving me pause, too. It's just... I disliked it in a very similar way to how I disliked the animation style on SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't know what it is about the way those drawings are done and the way those characters are rendered that just doesn't doesn't land with me. The way they're stylized 
I wish I had the vocabulary to explain it in greater depth other than to say that I just didn't care for it. And it was a major downfall for me because I pretty much liked everything about the plot. So how about the music? I thought it was catchy, simple. Like the theme song has some nice harmonies. It was like sort of Daniel Tiger-esque. Mm-hmm. There was one song in particular that Andy, the frog, Pepe, sang about murals in the very first episode, What's the Big Idea? Yeah. <laughs> that I really enjoyed because it was like the perfect stream of consciousness song. Like the lyrics were just what you would sing if you were just like tooling around painting a mural like doing whatever you're doing (laughs) you're just essentially singing what you're doing and as someone who does that all the time I could really relate (laughs) nice (laughs) um I also really liked the moment in pulling strings where Leo goes to find Luna by himself because Andy and Carmen are fighting and they have this Mm -hmm. little song that they sing when they first meet up with Luna every time usually the song is split between the three characters but when Andy goes by himself he has to sing it all alone and he like visibly gets tired (laughs) which I thought was just a really really cute touch they did also try and make the songs match the culture that they were in which as you mentioned with the Egyptian episode wasn't always super successful But, you know, I guess a good effort. I am curious about what adult movie or TV show you thought this compared to. I had two, actually. One, with all the international travel, it reminded me a bit of Alias. Oh, okay. A great spy show that always involved, like, different fantastic locations. Um, And it also, with the presence of Luna the Moon, reminded me a bit of Wilfred, which I feel like is a show that we bring up a lot on the podcast, just because the whole having a companion that no one else can see is kind of an obvious comparison for kids TV, although it seems like everyone else can see Luna when she's walking around, which was super weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But those were my comparisons. (laughs) <laughs> I was able to compare it to the Hangover movie franchise. Okay. Because there was a very, like, they don't know where they are. <laughs> they don't know how they got there. They don't know the language. There's a very, like, what do we do next quality to the circus life. Yeah. That. I felt was similar to the hangover, like when they wake up and they don't know like why there's a tiger in the living room (laughs) or who they got married to. (laughs) Now I'm trying to match up the characters. Like I guess Zach Galifianakis would be the frog. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a good one. Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? Speaking of Zach Galifianakis. I kind of did. Okay, so Judy Greer reminds me a lot of Anne Hesch, Anne Hope Davis, okay, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Like they all have, they're all pretty in the same way to me. Oh, they have really slim noses. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
and long straight blonde hair. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see them all playing different versions of Luna, Ooh. like sort of like the ghosts of Christmas past visiting Scrooge. And I would like to like each one could be like meaner than the next <laughs> or spookier than the next, but still they're kind of interchangeable. I love it. Um, and they would visit comedians like Charlene Yee, Craig Robinson, Tiffany Haddish, and um, try to give them like lessons, life I lessons. It. I like the idea of like a mean Gwyneth Paltrow coming into people's lives to give them lessons. It's like goop personified. <laughs> like here is everything yeah. you're doing wrong. And here are how <laughs> these expensive crystals can make it better. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. <laughs> so I just straight up cast the the central trio and I thought we could solidify Leo's place as an actual Australian by making him Chris Hemsworth, who we've all discovered is actually funny. So I think he could bring a lot to the role. Mm-hmm. And then John Cho could be Andy because we have to cast John Cho in everything. Yay. And then I was kind of at a loss for uh, an actress to do Carmen. I didn't want to put Gina Rodriguez in there because we had just done Carmen Sandiego. And then I thought maybe America Ferreira. But then it occurred to me that like Netflix has been kind of hitting it out of the park with a ton of these Spanish language shows that are doing really well. And I feel like there must be an actress in there who could fit the bill. And I unfortunately have not watched any of them just because Kevin does not care for subtitles and our grown-up TV time is so limited. Uh, So I didn't have a specific there, but I thought that there must be a good slate of people to pull from. Mm -hmm. I thought that we could get Christoph Waltz to reprise his role as a scary circus ringleader um, from Water for Elephants. Is that what that movie is called? Oh, that's good, yeah. Um, So he could be Senor Fabuloso. And then we could just have Judy Greer be Luna because she was good (laughs) right I like that that's good thanks not as good as yours but I feel like it's a pretty solid lineup (laughs) did you you think it was better when we were kids I can't think of a show that compares to this Mm -hmm. from my childhood really and I think the original Carmen Sandiego if we're just going with like the geography based show was Mm -hmm. better than Luna really yeah. See, I would say no, because, you know, I I clearly liked this more than you did. Um, so I would take mm-hmm. this over the original Carmen Sandiego. I also would take this over Rocco's Modern Life, which, like I said, just feels like such a time capsule. It's so 90s in its aesthetic. Uh, I feel like this one will probably age a little better. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, but I would have zero problem with Jay watching it. How about you? I am not going to watch this alone voluntarily. And I don't, I don't, I think it's fine for, for our kids, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't think my kids would be into it. I think they're a little older because it's like more of a Mm preschool show. So 
Whereas I was, I watched, I think most of the episodes with Jay and I was really glad that he was into it. We could use a show in our rotation that has less violence, that has a little bit more of an educational Mm -hmm. component. Like I was happy to see him enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would happily watch this again with him. Ratings? I would say three. I give it a solid four. I really enjoyed it. Um, aside from the off-putting animation style, which I guess is like the majority of the show, uh, I I liked it despite that, which I think speaks a lot to the quality of its content. Nice. <laughs> All right. You want to talk it's us It's fun out? when we agree to disagree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, you're thanks. wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> but yes, it's fun to agree to disagree. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. You can rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can look at our website and sort through old episodes and get show recommendations at myscreentime2.com. And we're still on Facebook at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And we often post what we're covering about our next episode and links to our Screen Time News articles or podcasts. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2, email myscreentime2 at gmail.com. And our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children. And our podcast is produced by katie tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and tv beloved by kids and tolerated by parents bye